Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Subscribe to At Bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Here we go. Another season coming up quickly. Uh, We have the Twins Winter Caravan, the Diamond Awards, Twins Fest in the rearview mirror, and now pitchers and catchers set to report on to spring training in the start of the 24 campaign. uh, Twins fans are optimistic. Can they repeat as division champs? They are certainly the favorites to do so, and to talk all things Twins, Doe Young Park joins us. He covers the Twins for MLB.com. Doe, good to visit with you, and happy spring training. Happy spring training, Steve. It really is coming up quick, isn't it, Geez. Yeah, it, it, it is cool. We've had such a mild winter, so it's not like, you know, dreaming of Fort Myers and sitting outside watching a ball game. We've had days uh, here this winter where you would say, this wouldn't be bad for opening day at Target Field. It's crazy. Yeah, it's absolutely nuts. I mean, I spent most of this last week in Madison, Wisconsin, and there was like a tornado a couple miles south of us the other day, right. which is, it's February. It's freaking crazy. Yeah, it, it is extraordinary. Uh, the, the Twins have made some moves. Uh, there's some moves they haven't made, but but let's get into what they have done so far. And it's been rumored that Jorge Polanco would be traded. He indeed was. The Twins get players in return that could help the Major League club now and could help the Major League team in the future. Yeah, I think that was probably among all the uncertainty that was happening this offseason, and certainly there's been a lot of fretting about how long it took the Twins to make a move, whether that move helps the big league team now, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but when you kind of look at the roster composition, like you mentioned, uh, moving Polanco 
one of the longest tenured twins, certainly a fan favorite, certainly a part of many big moments in these uh, recent uh, in these recent twins teams that have had success. Uh, he, you know, it, it seemed like the right time in that they have Eddie Julian ready to step foot into second base. They got Brooks Lee in AAA, one of their top prospects, almost ready to hit the major league. So they have depth at the position and they had needs elsewhere. Um, I know there was a pretty bulk chunk of the fan base that was disappointed that the Twins didn't get, say, a more uh, a front end or a more front more of a front end starter um, in exchange for Polanco. I don't know how realistic that was ever going to be in the first place. Uh, what the Twins did need um, was just more pitching in general with the departures of Sonny Gray and Kent Maya in kind of working with the constraints that they had this offseason. And in doing so, like you mentioned, they brought in a couple pieces. Um, and Anthony DiSclafani, who's looking to round out the rotation, and Justin Topa, who could be an interesting bullpen piece, side armor, who was a late bloomer, but pretty good for the Seattle bullpen last year, along with the top hundred prospect in Gabby Gonzalez, which I thought was a lot more than they could have gotten for Polanco, frankly, when I was kind of mapping it out at the start of the offseason. And that uh, kind of set a lot of things in motion with the Polanco trade addressing a couple of their needs and then um, a couple of the other moves that I'm sure you're going to ask me about in a second. Do Young Park joining us on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. He covers the Twins for MLB.com. Pitchers and catchers set to report, and we get started. We'll have a ton of spring training games here on News Talk 830 WCCO, and then, of course, all 162 during the regular season. Um, the other name that came up, and it is Max Kepler, do you get the sense that it's less likely that the Twins – move Kepler during spring training and that he is on the opening day roster? You know, I between Polanco and Kepler, and those have been kind of brought up in tandem together in these kind of trade speculations just because they were, you know, both uh, where they are with their contract structures, with um, Polanco entering the final year of his deal, uh, uh, Polanco entering the final one of his first team option year with another year left, and uh, Kepler entering the final year of club control. Um, so those are the kinds of contracts that seems like the Twins um, naturally are more inclined to move. At the same time, I always thought Polanco was more of a need fit to be traded just because, like I mentioned earlier, they had Eddie Julian ready to step in at second base. And if nothing else, uh, the Twins don't necessarily have that ready to step in in the corner outfield side to the point where if they're going to move Kepler or something like that, they definitely need to bring in more depth because the depth gets pretty thin in the corner outfield pretty quick. Uh, Matt Walner obviously came on strong last year, and obviously he's got an arm very soon to field. Uh, but he's still got to show that he created last season. Behind that, you know, it starts to get thin. You got Nick Gordon, you got Willie Castro, whom the Twins would love to keep in more of a uh, utility-oriented, multi-positional role. And then, uh, obviously, there's still some chapter the Twins uh, looking for a right-handed outfielder in general to kind of complement the group that they have because there's really not much of a group there. So any trade of Kepler um, would, A, have to bring back a good return that will help the big league team right now. And as we kind of found in the Polanco discussions and how it all played out, finding a need-for-need match between contenders isn't necessarily the easiest thing to do. And at the same time, uh, you would also have to kind of back in for the outfield depth that isn't there. So that's Feels like a little bit of a thornier fit for me. I w- still wouldn't shock. Nothing would shock me at this point with this front office. But uh, Polanco felt like the neatest fit in a trade conversation to me. Twins did add a veteran bat and uh, certainly a Twins nemesis in years gone by, and that's Carlos Santana. And, and they they got him at a good price. He is late in his career, but 
could be insurance down at first base and and certainly has proven that he can swing the bat. Yeah, and I mean, that's kind of the, the kind of move that they needed to make offseason to really start to fill out some of that lineup depth. They, Santana's a switch hitter. That's obviously appealing to them after Polanco, uh, after the departure of Polanco, who was kind of that switch hitting anchor in that lineup for such a long time. Also helps that Polanco is much, or excuse me, Santana's uh, historically better hitter right-handed because the Twins lineup has skewed and will continue to skew more left-handed in the uh, talent that they have. And so uh, that's an important role uh, where he's probably going to start platooning with Alex Kirilov, who hits left-handed at first base to a certain extent. Also helps that he's put, he plays, Santana plays fantastic defense at first base. He's a uh, reigning National League Gold Glove final, even at age 37 at the position, which is fantastic. Um, and uh, just based on the uncertainties they had in Kirilov's health, uh, Jose Miranda's health and performance at first base, I thought depth there was important as well. Also, very well-liked guy. Very well-liked guy around the league. He's made a couple stops. Uh, he's been on contenders through the past. Obviously, he knows the AL Central really well because he was on Cleveland for such a long time. Super well-respected guy. Well-liked guy in the clubhouse, too. And that always matters to these twins when they uh, bring when they players in. Yeah, an- another guy. They, they picked up Jay Jackson, a veteran, 36 years old. Only five years in the big leagues. First appeared in 15 and then 19, 21, 22, and 23 in the major leagues. What do they see in Jackson? I mean, they see they see an intriguing pitch mix. Jackson's a guy that's uh, really kind of rebuilt himself and um, found found different ways to pitch in Japan, and then now coming back into the United States. Uh, obviously, was very well liked and effective in the uh, in Toronto last year as a part of that bullpen, and uh, it's one of a couple of I think. I think uh, intriguing moves that have fallen under the radar in the Twins bullpen um, between him and Josh Salmont and obviously coming in as part of the uh, Polanco deal. Bullpen chance to be really, really good. Um, I think a full season of Brock Stewart is really going to help with that as well. Griffin Jacks, Joan Duran is a monster, obviously, but they brought in guys with stuff. Uh, Salmont's had command issues and has had health issues. But the stuff has always been there. And then you got intriguing guys like Topin, Jackson, with some interesting pitch mix and track records. Um, and I think, again, those are sort of the, the kinds of deals that aren't necessarily flashy. Uh, but the pitching staff was really a strength of the Twins last season. Um, and especially with a, maybe a handful more questions on the starting rotation this year, they've really made an effort to make the bullpen a lot more interesting. And I think that, that has the potential to pay pretty strong dividends this year. Do Young Park joining us here on News Talk 830 WCCO, and you can read his work at MLB.com slash twins. He's always got a lot of great content and will be a very busy man once pitchers and catchers report a lot of great content. I, I, I did want to get into uh, a couple other things, and th- this is super important, I, I think, for Twins fans going forward. The idea of having a healthy Carlos Correa, Royce Lewis, and Byron Buxton somewhere in the middle of that lineup, that is intriguing. It is. Um, it is intriguing. It is very much theoretical sure. for the time being until proven otherwise, especially in the case of Buxton, because as much as we would have loved to see a full season from them over the last X number of years, it's, it, we, we're having this conversation over and over again this time of year. And uh, perhaps this is the year he said he's going to he said he's going to be back in center field. He said he's feeling good. We're going to have to see how that looks in spring training, obviously. But um, it, 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 as a whole, it's not a satisfying thing 
to point to a roster that's losing guys and say, listen, we know we haven't made the flashy moves or a big free agent signing or a big trade acquisition or something like that. But at the same time, there's a lot of pieces internally that we're going to have to count on to succeed and kind of improve. But at the same time, for where the Twins roster is right now, you can see a couple of pieces of low-hanging fruit there. And the guys you mentioned, uh, Buxton, obviously, the health is going to be a question. Correa, now that his heel is feeling better this season, I think that's less of a question. He's obviously going to have to get on the field and prove it in terms of his performance. But Correa's got a proven track record there of when he's healthy, he is a well-above-average shortstop hitter. Obviously, the defense speaks for itself. And then the prospect of Royce Lewis now finally coming off of what he did last year, even hurt in the postseason. He finally has a healthy offseason. He knows what position he's going to play. They're going to have to count on big things from those guys because regardless of what they brought in um, or bring in, a, uh, a bigger picture acquisition, a bigger name acquisition via trade or free agency or something like that, the success of the Minnesota Twins in 2024 is, again, going to be largely contingent on what their trio of star caliber players, that's Correa Buxton and Lewis, in the lineup can give them and have to count on that. And then, really, the other one that keeps coming up when I talk to folks about the Twins and their prospects in 24 is, yeah, it was a bummer that Sonny Gray signed with the St. Louis Cardinals. I I think they're really going to miss Sonny Gray. Question is, can they find out or find another veteran guy that's going to pitch a lot of innings and be a bulldog? I mean, Sonny Gray was huge in 23 for this club. Yeah, I mean, losing Sonny is going to be, again, it, it, it's, it's tough. And whether they can replace that production or not, I think is going to be a significant kind of, a, a significant plot point, so to speak, of 2024 season. I think coming in, the neatest way to replace, the perception at least of the neatest way to replace Sonny Gray caliber production in the number two slot in your rotation would have been, okay, there's, front end of rotation guys like a Blake Snell or a uh, Jordan Montgomery out there or uh, guys on the trade market and you oh. it's a one-for-one one fit. You swap out good guy for good guy and that's how you roll. Um, sometimes that's how it works. Sometimes in a market like this, clearly um, with the Twins having traded Polanco for a maybe maybe a more role-playing rotation piece than an Anthony DiSafani um, and maybe like not having access to the top caliber free agents that you would use to maybe replace a Sonny Gray type guy. Sometimes I feel that the replication in that production is going to have to come in aggregate. And there is at least some path there in continued improvement in health from Joe Ryan, who's pitching hurt for parts of uh, last year and the, and the performance suffered accordingly. Bailey Ober is going to continue to improve. And the big one there is Chris Paddock, who looked tremendous down the stretch as a bullpen piece last season fully healthy offseason this year, and they're really excited based on the glimpse they got last year of uh, what they hope to see from him as a full-time rotation piece again this year. So again, one-to-one replacement for Sonny Gray would have been the cleanest, neatest way to do it, and any team can obviously use another front-end starter. In absence of a feasible move like that, I think there is a path to kind of getting an aggregate through improvements from Ryan and Ober and Paddock and Louis Barland and those guys just a little bit less of a neat way to do it, but there's still a path there, and I think it's probably what they're going to have to count on to a certain extent. And I would assume there, there's still a possibility of a deal. The question becomes, what are the Twins willing to give up in the, the form of uh, a trade or some sort of other deal? Yeah, that's the tough part here, and that's kind of the two clear 
the two clear pieces that they were looking to move were Polanco and Kepler, or they could have feasibly moved for Polanco sure. and Kepler. Polanco ostensibly has greater value there with the extra year remaining as a switch hitter, as a middle of the as a middle of the field type guy. You saw what he got you back, and you got to think about the number of top prospects the Twins have traded away in the last couple of years, whether that's a Chase Petty or a Cade Povich or a Steve Hadjar. A bunch of these guys that went out in the deals that brought in Sonny Gray, that brought in Tyler Malley, which didn't work out, that brought in Jorge Lopez, which didn't work out. And they always, Derek Falvey especially talks about this in the sense of in a mid-market team like the Twins, you always have to keep an eye on the present, but you also have to keep an eye on the future because there is a path to continued kind of sustained sustained above 500 play in the American League Central, especially that's going to get you to the playoffs. If you go all in on X year, um, there's still variance in that. And then if you trade, if the prospect well is fully empty, then um, you have a winnable division in which you might not be as competitive as you could have been otherwise and make a run if variance swings your way or something like that. So you got to think about it in a couple different ways in that sense. And so I wonder if there are prospects that they're just like, okay, these are these guys are key parts of our future, our our immediate future, and maybe our like near future that they've also got to balance out in those trade conversations. Plus, you also got to figure out the need for, well, it's great to have a top-end starter, but at the same time, the starting depth also remains pretty thin because you got B. Stefani in your five, Louis Barland in your six, and too many answers after that. And you'd ideally like to be running seven, eight deep in starting pitchers. You'd be at least comfortable reasonably trotting out there in a starting role. So there's a lot of different things they got to balance if they kind of figure out ways to patch up this roster and shore it out in the next couple weeks. Because trips to the injured list are generally inevitable over 162, that's for sure. Well, Doe, good to visit with you. We look forward to your coverage as spring training ramps up, and uh, we move toward the 24 campaign. Thanks for having me, Steve. Hopefully there's a lot more to talk about in the the coming weeks as we uh, build into opening day in Kansas City. Well, good to visit with you. Thanks again. There he is, Joe Young Park, covers the Twins for MLB.com. He does a phenomenal job on the beat. Uh, so many terrific writers on on this Twins beat among uh, the local media. And, of course, we've got a lot of spring training games, particularly on Saturdays and Sundays. And then uh, all 162 during the regular season here on the home of the Twins. News Talk, E3O-WCCO. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.